Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by Associate Pastor Ian Mulraney. When I was in elementary school, my church put on a musical children's nativity. They did this usually every year, but one year in particular, I remember begging my choir director to be one of the Magi, to play one of the wise men. I don't know why, because I had already been cast in another role. Like, the, the whole cast list had been put up. I was in another role, and I had begged to be allowed to be one of the wise men. Um, and after my relentless insisting, I think I wore her down, she decided to swap me with one of the other kids, and so I got to play the wise man who brought myrrh, and it was really awesome, and because it was the early 2000s, we got to do a rap, me and the other wise men, so yo-yo, um, and it was awesome. And the other kid who was originally the myrrh-bringing wise man got swapped with me to play some boring role called Joseph. So, <laughs> yeah. But I don't know why, like I, I look back at that and I was like, why did I want to be the wise man so much? Um, and I, I think there's a couple of factors. I think, about, I think about how the Christmas story is a story that's filled with other kinds of people. People that you don't expect to fit into a narrative about a god-king, a prophesied hero being born in the world. You have Joseph and Mary who are impoverished, scandalous pregnancy people. You have the unclean shepherds who can't mix with proper society. And then you have the magi, foreigners who in the story of others, the Magi seem extra other. They don't even seem to belong in this tale of other outcasts. And there's a mystery around the Magi, right? Like we talk about, whenever you hear a sermon on the Magi, you'll hear the same kind of things. We don't actually know how many of them there were. Was it three? Was it 12? Was it something in between, 500? We don't know where in the East they actually came from. We don't, like, what the heck is frankincense and myrrh anyway, right? That one's a joke. But, <laughs> we, but we have all these questions that surround them, that there's lots of theories and traditions, but nobody can know for certain. And I think that it's this fact that teaches us one of the most important lessons that the Gospels have to offer. Let's see that God meets unexpected people in unexpected ways. I think that's the lesson that the Magi have for us. God meets unexpected people in unexpected ways. Or alternatively, because I actually really struggled to come up with what I wanted my main point to be, because there were a lot of good points. It could also be this, that the path to leads to God is always the right path. So one of those things I hope you get out of today, that... <laughs> That either the path that leads to God is always the right path, or that God meets unexpected people in unexpected ways. If you walk away with one of those things in your mind, that's good, because both are true, and I'm very indecisive. Alright, but we're just going to talk about the first part of this passage that Gwen read from our New Testament Advent reading today. The point from when the Magi come, 
up until they leave. And I can kind of just do a quick read through of that again. And that's after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time oh, of King Herod. Oh, you don't have to do that, Kyle, but <laughs> thanks. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. When coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, presented them with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So before I start lecturing, what do we know about the Magi? We kind of talk about what we don't know, but like, what are the things we, we're all familiar with, these stories, we all put up our nativity sets each year, what are the things you know about them? If we were to make a, uh... There's three. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe. You could actually go to the, Yeah, put that one up, Kyle. They're... They're, they're looking at stars already. For yeah. Some reason. They're looking at stars. They're astrologers of sorts. Yeah. Yep, so they're looking at stars and interpreting the signs in the stars as equating to things in world events. That's a big one. We'll hold on to that. My nativity set taught me that there are three kings of different races. Yes. <laughs> three kings of different races. Um, that's another thing that if you actually read the passage, it doesn't say they're kings, right? <laughs> um, what does it say they are? Magi, which sometimes gets interpreted as wise men, but um, yeah, but Magi is a term that's associated with priests of Zoroaster. Um, it's also a term that is, do you know if you add one letter to the word Magi, what do we get? Magic. Magic. That's why uh, sometimes King James and others just translated it as wise men because it's a little scandalous to think that these are three magicians or sorcerers that are coming to visit Jesus. But the same word that is used for the magi in Greek, the magus, is used in the book of Acts also with Simon Magus, or sometimes translated Simon the sorcerer, who opposes the apostle Peter. So, and so they're magi, they're astrologers, where are they from? The east. The east, the Orient. Some people think they came from as far as China. Some say India. Some say uh, far east Syria or Persia. We don't know. They just come from the east and they travel westwards. 
So, what we know from this kind of bullet point list about these men is they are foreigners, which makes them... Oh, you can go back, Kyle. Yeah, they're foreigners, they're, which makes them unclean Gentiles in the eyes of Jews back in this time. They are at best Zoroastrians, which is not the Jewish faith. At worst, they might be pagans uh, who worship many, perhaps a multitude of gods. And I say at worst just from the perspective of a monotheistic Judeo-Christian point of view. And what we just talked about, Scotty and Dana, they look at the stars and they say, oh, the stars have an impact on telling what's going on in this world. That's astrology, right? That's what every white girl in Starbucks who, you know, reads what's going on in their dating life and stuff believes in. That is actually something that in Deuteronomy chapter 18, God says, don't do that. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination, sorcery, interprets omens, or engages in witchcraft. What is it seeing a star in the sky and saying, oh, this means a king has been born? That's an omen, right? <laughs> this is something that the law forbids. And these guys packed up their bags traveled hundreds, perhaps thousands of miles to bring gifts to a foreign king. They're not the same religion. They're not the same culture. They're not the same faith. How the heck did they end up in our nativity sets every year? And my question that I like to ponder this time each year is how did these foreign priests end up in our nativity sets? but not the Jewish priests. Why do we put these kings or pagan people up there with Jesus when it really, you know, if you were telling the story, it should have been the Pharisees. Because they had every advantage, right? The Jewish priests had the law. They had the Old Testament they had the prophets. And not only did they have the prophets, usually most, in order to be a good rabbi or a good priest back in this time, you memorized all of scripture. We actually see that in this story here, right? Herod, who is the puppet king that the Romans have set up, he's only Jewish in name just to make sure that the Jewish people he rules over listen to him. But he doesn't know anything about their faith or culture. So when he calls... Or when the Magi come to him, because they come to the palace, right? That's where they assume that a king would be born, in the palace in the capital city. But Herod's like, what the heck? I haven't had a kid. Who's this new king? <laughs> he panics, so he calls the priests, and he's like, hey, you guys are always trying to overthrow the Romans' power, you Jewish people. <laughs> what? Where is this prophesied Messiah supposed to be born? And what happens? Do the priests need to consult their textbooks or anything? No, they tell them right away. In Bethlehem and Judah. In fact, it was actually the Old Testament passage we read. If they heard it, they would have known a couple more verses later, chapter 5. That's where it talks about 
that, you know, oh, king is going to come to you and it's going to be born in Bethlehem. The priests knew. They had it memorized. They had all the facts. They are the right culture that God had, you know, they're descendants of Abraham who God said was going to be the person who his descendants, he was going to have a seed that was going to be a blessing to all the nations of earth. They follow the law. They're religious. They know everything there is to know about God. And yet, they don't show up. They don't come. They don't join these pagan priests to go find the Messiah when he's born. And I think that is a danger for us. <laughs> you can put the next slide up now, Kyle. I kind of have a like uh, compare contrast thing, and even that the, the 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 Venn diagram, even the middle of that Venn diagram might not actually have been true, but best case scenario it was, um, because Zoroastrians were monotheistic if that's what they were. They had different ways of thinking about the world. They had different cultures. They had different beliefs and the one that should have been there to welcome their own king, their own messiah, their own god into the world aren't the ones who end up going. The priests knew everything there was to know about God. They knew everything God had done throughout history. They knew what foods God had named clean and unclean. They knew how to dress, work, eat, sleep, pray, in order to please God. The only thing they didn't know was how to recognize God when he actually showed up. You can go to the next slide too, Kyle, which is just another one. <laughs> While you're perusing that, this reminds me of something that Kyle Eidelman, he's a pastor, um, he talks about in a book he wrote called Not a Fan. In this book, he talks about how he's friends with one of the actors who's on the uh, soap opera General Hospital. Um, they're friends, and one day his friend had invited him to go to upstate with them to a, uh, to a gospel conference event that was going on. But on the way, they were going to stop at a General Hospital fan day event that was happening at some bookstore. So they stopped there in the afternoon on the way, and because he was supposed to make a special guest appearance, the reality star friend, or the soap opera star friend. Um, when they got there, you know, everybody was super excited because here was this soap opera star, and one of the events that they had planned at this party was a trivia based around this friend, the soap opera star. And Kyle Eidelman writes that he like sat there participating in this trivia event and there are questions about like what state was this actor born in? Kyle Eidelman was like he made an educated guess and when they announced the answer he was wrong and like half the room got it right. They asked about uh, what kind of animals he was allergic to. And Kyle Eidelman was like I didn't even know he was allergic to animals. He got that one wrong, and like three-quarters of the room got this right. They asked questions about this actor's favorite colors. 
They asked about his kids and their names and where they were born. They asked about certain episodes of the show and things like that. And Kyle Eilman almost got a zero on this trivia question or about his friend. And he's sitting there thinking, I'm a terrible friend. I like don't know anything about this guy. But then he had a realization. And that realization happened after the festivities had ended, after lots of autographs had been signed. So when they got in the car together, and they drove the rest of the way to this gospel event that they were going to. And this actor started talking to him about some of his personal struggles, things going on in his marriage and with his family. They started laughing at jokes together and talking about music that they enjoyed. And Kyle Eilman realized that like, oh, those fans know a lot about this actor, but I actually know him. You know, Kyle Eidelman might not have known his friend's favorite color was blue, but he knew who his friend was as a person. He knew his personal story, his private battles, what his personality was like, not in front of a camera. He knew his heart. In the same way, our priests, who Herod calls the priests who are going to fight with Jesus once he's an adult, they were big fans of God. But they didn't actually know God's true character. If they had, why wouldn't they have tossed everything aside to join these magi and going to the manger, going to Christ's birthplace? Before you make excuses, well, maybe they didn't know or whatever. If God could reveal his coming in the pagan stars and, you know, that astrologers could read the signs then surely those who had the prophetic scriptures about the Christ's coming, they should have been able to tell the times too. They had them for hundreds of years. The priests had every advantage, and yet they miss him. They don't get to arrive to Mary and Joseph and the Christ child to worship him. They don't get to celebrate what their whole religion and worldview has been waiting for. So for God to come to his people, Emmanuel. And so there's a warning and a blessing in this, that those some people that sometimes we think are the farthest from God are actually the ones who might be closer than the most pious of us. I don't always like to put things into binaries, but sometimes I think it's helpful. Um, I think this story, we can equate the Magi and the priests to sort of the prodigal son. The prodigal son parable that Jesus tells is really not just about one son, but it's about two sons. You can bring up Jesus there, Kyle. Thanks. <laughs> just a refresher of that story, but... A younger son asks his father for money, his, for his inheritance to go, and he takes it and he goes and wastes it all on prostitutes and whatever else. He has a great time. And then there's a famine, and he starts to starve, and he realizes that he'd be better off as a slave in his father's house than living as a bum on the streets in a foreign land. So he comes home. 
and he has a speech prepared to say, I'm going to be your servant. Uh, just take me back into your house. I'm sorry for everything I've done. Before he gets to give this speech, the father runs out and greets him, embraces him, kisses him, puts a robe on him, starts to throw a feast. He says, my son has come home. He doesn't want him to be a servant. And the older brother, who has stayed with the father the whole time, who has done everything that the father has asked, he sees his unworthy brother come home, and he gets mad. He doesn't want to come into the feast. And the father has to come out and beg him to come inside and celebrate his brother's coming home. And the brother says, you never even gave me so much as a goat to celebrate with my friends. And what does the father say? Everything I have is yours. The older brother just never knew to ask for it. And so to kind of wrap things up, um, oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> My guess is that there's two kinds of people here today too. There's those who might relate more with the Magi or the younger brothers, who maybe you don't do everything that us pious people do, that the Bible would say is the right way to live or relate with God. Maybe your story has taken lots of twists and turns where you felt you were walking away from God. If that's the case, I want you to know something, that God can legitimize any step your journey has taken, right? God can use the stars to bring pagan astrologers to him. My hope is that if this is the camp you are in, you have connected with God on some level before, you understand his profound love for you. And whether you have experienced that or not, you know, maybe you haven't experienced that before, but either way, I want you to listen to how God might be inviting you to know him deeper. What could that next step be? You know, and sometimes it's just keep living the way that you're supposed to be living. It might be something you already do naturally that God is going to have this invitation prepared, like interpreting the stars. Because if we look at the Magi, we see that God might use those methods to bring people to him. But how did the Magi leave? Do we remember? They find the Christ because they follow the stars. But when they leave, what happens? They get a dream, just like Joseph had a dream from God. They get the same kind of vision of God himself meeting them. They came following what they knew, the astrology, and they leave with the actual message from God himself. I'm not saying that all roads lead to God in this message, but I believe that God can meet anyone on any road. So have your eyes open for where God is prompting you to be more like him. And just learn to trust him with the areas in life you struggle with. Like if you can bring your struggles to God, I think you'll see him show up in big ways. So that's if you're the younger brother or the magi. What about someone who 
is more like the older brother or the priest boys or priest girls. I feel like this is the one I relate to just having grown up in the church and knowing these stories all my life. Um, there's just a couple things that this message has for us today. First of all, you can memorize the entire Bible, but if it doesn't make you more Christ-like, then it's all for nothing. If it doesn't bring you closer to God, then it's all for nothing. Love is at the key of everything. And so we have to seek to know God, not just know about God. And sometimes that means we have to look inwards, not outwards. It's easy to look at other people's walks and say they're not, they're doing things right or wrong. But I don't think we ultimately, we're not the ones who ultimately get to say whether someone is close to God or not. God gets that say at the end of the day. And so we can't look at anyone's path and say it's illegitimate. And there's lots of arguments we can get into in the church. You know, if you weren't baptized the right way or if you didn't have the right kind of beliefs or you did certain things. But I just want to remind us that if your walk with God feels more like a duty or a chore than a relationship, then hopefully this Christmas season you can ask you know, now it's time for you to ask God for a goat to celebrate with your friends. Everything he has is yours. The kingdom is already yours. So let it be a joy, not a chore. Lighten up. Enjoy the good things of God without being so concerned if it's the right thing or not. The path that leads to God is always the right path, and nobody can take that away from you. Or alternatively... God meets unexpected people in unexpected places, or in unexpected ways. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.